0: I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. We uh, are moving along here in this book and learning some things that I think that will help each and every one of us in our walk with the Lord as we observe Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Amen? Uh, we uh, we discovered in, in, in Philippians chapter number one, we discovered the apostle Paul Giving us a a prime example, a sterling example of how to have joy in suffering. Everybody say joy in suffering. And he he gave us that example by having a single mind. Amen. We told you Paul had a one track mind, a, a one track mind that was intensely focused on sharing Jesus Christ with others. So much so that Paul, as he wrote that letter to the church at Philippi, sitting in a Roman jail, he was, he was, he was not in a state of, of disrepair or, or, or depression, but he was actually rejoicing that the gospel was being spread as a result of his personal suffering. Now, guys, whenever you can get to a point to where you don't care what's happening in your circumstances, you don't don't care what's happening around you, as long as you're seeing Christ Jesus preached and people getting saved and you can rejoice and forget about your circumstances, you know you got a single mind. You know you are focused in on the right thing, and that's what Paul found himself to be, Amen. Now, as we get into this in in Philippians chapter number 2, Paul is going to show us what it takes to have joy in serving. Amen. Joy in suffering because all of us have situations or circumstances that we go through. And as we go through those situations and circumstances, you know, we have to learn how to keep our focus on the right thing. So that single-mindedness helped Paul in that situation. But we get it here to chapter two. We're going to look at joy in serving. And I think this is critically important because there are some times, guys, when we're serving in ministry or doing things for the Lord, that we, if we're not careful, we'll allow people to steal our joy. Have anybody ever been there before? Serving but joyless. Serving but not really happy. Serving but not really into what you're actually doing. All right? And so we're going to talk about joy In serving today. So, Paul here opens up in this, and we'll start reading in this first verse of this second chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. Let's read together. The text says, Is is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? It says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Verse number three, let's read. Don't be what? Selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Let's keep reading. The text says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others Two, all right. Verse five. You must all you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse six, it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave as when was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Verse eight, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died in a criminal's death on a cross. Nine says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. 10, 11, that at the name of Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue shall confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. And we're going to, We're going to try to see if we can unpack some of this, uh, these first 11 verses today, and then we'll pick back up on the fifth Sunday. Amen. Now, again, uh, uh, you know, Paul was facing his problems with people at Rome because, again, obviously he was in jail. He had been incarcerated as well as facing problems with people in Philippi from the standpoint that uh, that that there was some stuff going on in the church that he addressed in this letter. And it was the ones in Philippi who concerned him the most. When Epaphroditus, y'all remember the, the church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus to bring the Apostle Paul uh, some supplies and some gifts while he was in prison. Y'all remember the story? And he, he brought that generous gift from the church at Philippi. and But he also brought some bad news of a possible division in the church family. Now I want to say something and you know, I want y'all to see me very carefully. It's, it's, it's a dangerous thing to have division in the church. It's a dangerous thing to not be working together with one single mind and one single purpose when we come together as a corporate family of God. And and, and what we discover discovered from this letter, we're going to see in a little bit in this chapter, but in the later chapters, how it was there were two women in the church obviously they were a prominent enough position to where Paul mentions this in this letter for them to learn how to get along. Now, it didn't necessarily surprise me that it was two women in the church. Now, it could have been two men, but a lot of times women in the church. I figured that would wake some of y'all up on this sleeping Sunday morning, amen? It was two women in the church that were, that were having some discord and it was causing that thing to matriculate throughout the entire body. And so Paul has to address that because division in the church will end up disrupting the mission of the church. Can I get a witness? Apparently, that was a double threat to the unity of the church. Uh, there was false teaching coming in from outside the church, but there was disagreeing members within the church that was causing problems. See, Many times in the church today, and, and we haven't necessarily seen this as much in the church in America, but, but, but attacks from without have been somewhat minimal up until the period of time we're living in now. I, I think and I believe that you're going to see more and more attacks from without against the body of Christ against sound doctrinal preaching and teaching. And when you begin to declare and stand for what God's word says, there are going to be uh, people in our society and our culture who's going to come against this church. Mark it down, I'm telling you right now. It come against the church in America for those who stand up for biblical principles and biblical commandments. Because the culture is telling us something else is right when God is saying, that's wrong. Can I get a witness? And what we as a church cannot afford to do like some denominations are doing, there are certain denominations who are allowing the culture to influence the church rather than the church to influence the culture. Are y'all tracking with me today? And so I believe in this prophetic time period that we're living in, you're going to see more and more attacks coming from the outside. But, 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 But the thing I want you to understand is the church at Philippi was facing attacks from the outside with false teachers trying to, infiltrate what they were doing, but they were also experiencing some discord and division because of disagreement amongst members. Are y'all with me today? I want to ask you a question right quick. Have y'all ever, uh, have you individually had a disagreement with a member of the church before and it made you feel a certain kind of way? Y'all know when they say you feel a certain kind of way? That mean you get all hot and bothered. You get all in your attitude. You get all acting like you don't want to come to church anymore. Because you disagree with one person in the church. Think about the, the 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 fallacy of that mindset. You will allow one disagreement with some person who you may not even necessarily be close to, but y'all disagree, and you allow that disagreement to drive you away from the place you said God told you to be. Every person that since I've been pastoring this church for the past 30 years, every person that comes up to unite with this body, I've asked this question. Very unashamedly importantly, do you feel like in your spirit that the Holy Spirit is leading you to be a part of this church? And if they can't say yes, I'm going to say, well, go back and pray some more. Because we're not about just gathering members. I want people who are spirit led to be a part of this fellowship. Because when you are spirit led, you will be in the place where God desires you to be at that particular season of your life. And then that's when you can best serve when you are in the place God told you to be. Are y'all with me today? I, it's not about just getting numbers, guys. It's about getting people in the place where they should be. Can I get a with And so, so, so we see false teachers coming from without, but we also see disagreeing members from within. And so, whenever you find yourself in the place where you have a disagreement or an odd against your brother, I'm going to challenge you to be biblical. I want you to be biblical when you have that situation occur. Biblical means following what Jesus Christ told us to do. Can I get a witness? If there's an out between you and your brother, you go to him one-on-one. Tell him to fault between you and him alone. And if he doesn't hear you, if the situation still gets a little worse, take two or three more spiritual brothers and sisters with you. Can I get a witness? And try to resolve the issue. And if not, take, bring it to church council and let's deal with the thing. But don't sit there, amen, and stew in your emotions and cause you to not be engaged, amen, in serving joyfully in the church. Everybody say joy in serving. Joy in serving. We're looking here and trying to unpack this. So, 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 Paul knew, again, that some church workers, uh, he knew something that some church workers. That they don't know. And that is that there's a difference between unity and uniformity. Because again, think about this for a second. See, you you can you 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 can that that can be disagreement that happens all the time in churches because people want you to do things the same way that they do it and think that their method is where the anointing is. And the anointing is not in the method, the anointing is in, in in following God's voice and following his will and following his word. Can I get a witness. So there are different administration, but the same Lord. So there'll be churches who won't do things exactly the way we do things here. And, and and that's not that's not a knock on them, it's not a knock on us. We may do things a little bit different than this other church that you came from, but don't crucify us because we do it differently. And when you go into another church that does and conducts worship service or ministry different from us, don't go in there being judgmental. If what they're doing is ministering to those who've been led there, more power to them. Can I get a witness? So, so, so unity and uniformity are not the same thing. True spiritual unity comes from within, guys. And it's a matter of the heart. If your heart ain't right, you ain't going to be unified with nobody. You will do good for a little while, but it's going to be always something. Oh, you one of those members where it's always something going on with you? I, I, I mean, you, you you go for two or three months, and that up here you go again. Okay. There's always something. Don't touch your neighbor because we don't want you to touch today, but just look at him and say, is it, are you the one that's always something going on with? Always. Paul is saying to the church. Your disagreements reveal that there is a spiritual problem in your fellowship. I got to read that one again. Paul is saying to the church that your disagreements reveal that there is a spiritual problem in your fellowship. And it's not going to be solved by rules or threats. It's going to be solved when your hearts are right with Christ and with each other. And let me, let me just, 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 just peep this just for a second, amen? Your heart can't be right with Christ when your heart ain't right with your fellow man. Sean, you like that peep, did you? I, I saw you, I saw you. See, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hip cat. I learned, I learned that last week. Watch this, watch this. Your heart cannot be right with Christ when your heart is not right with your fellow man, quit fooling yourself and thinking you can be good with God and not be okay with your fellow man. In other words, having unforgiveness resonating in your heart. It cannot happen. My vertical relationship with Christ cannot be right when my horizontal relationship with people is off kilter. Can I get a witness? So, so Paul wants them to see that the basic cause of, of what was going on a, it, it, as far as disagreement in the church was selfishness. And the cause of selfishness is pride. Because we can be some prideful people, amen. There can be no joy in the life of the Christian who puts himself uh, uh, above others when you begin to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So, so so again, guys, the secret of the secret of joy in spite of circumstances. In the first chapter we learned was having a single mind like Paul did. But here, the secret of joy in spite of people is having the submissive mind. In other words, can you serve? Can you have joy when you deal with people? Some folks can't because some of y'all have been guilty of saying this. Well, you know, I go to church, but I don't fool with church people. Now, think about that just for a second. Let that settle in. I don't fool with church people. I go to EBC, but I don't fool with EBC folks. Think about that just for a second. Let that resonate and and, and, and come, let it get down in your spirit. And I want you to see how foul that statement is. Because you cannot serve a man, a man in ministry without serving with people. And here's here's the thing I need you to understand is that God saved you. He saved me to interact with people. God saved you and saved me to be disciple makers and to be disciple. God saved you and I to do life together. But here you are saying, I don't want to fool with church people. I'm going to tell you, if that's your attitude, something is wrong. Where? In the heart. In the heart. So, so, so if we're going to have joy in spite of people, we got to have the submissive mind. Go look at verse number three with me right quick. And I want of this second chapter. This is a very important verse here. It says, don't be selfish. Watch this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. How many of y'all have been guilty to that before in the church? Do you want to raise your hand? But, 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 you, but instead of serving and giving all of your attention and focus on Jesus Christ, you've been trying to impress people. Trying to impress the pastor, trying to impress the ministry leader, trying to impress folks out there in the world, trying to impress whoever you need to impress to get your name out there. And it's ministry. It's not about that, guys. I'm here to tell you many times we get off course because we get our mind off of the main thing. And so so we, we, we look at this, we got to understand that that it's, it's impossible for us to really serve with joy if we get our focus locked into people and trying to please people rather than pleasing God. Paul gives us uh, four examples of the submissive mind uh, in, in in this book and he gives us the example of Jesus Christ amen. He gives himself as an example. He gives Timothy as an example and he gives Epaphroditus as an example. How many of y'all know it's good sometime to have a real life example? A, a, a a tangible example, something that you can see. That's one of the things that uh, uh, every time we do marriage fellowship, I always encourage our marriage couples because God said in His Word that He gave the marriage relationship to be a tangible, a real life example where people can see how Christ connects to His church. And if you think about it for a second, what he's saying is, is how we do marriage should show the world how Christ connects with his church. And it's a doggone shame that most of our marriages, a lot of, I'm not, not saying most, a lot of our marriages are messed up. I mean, in other words, a lot of our marriages are not being that example that God, amen, when he created the institution of marriage, designed for it to be. Guys, we got to make sure that we are. Amen. Understanding that we have an awesome responsibility. So he gave these examples. Jesus Christ, Paul himself, he gave Timothy, and he also gave the Epaphroditus a tangible example. We can look at their lives and say, listen, hey, listen, that that guy is doing the right way. That sister is doing the right way. And I want to follow example as they follow Christ. People need to see us, EBC, fellow Elizabethans. They need to see us pursuing ministry and pursuing God with the, with the right heart and the right purpose where well, we are so dialed in, we can be like the Apostle Paul when he, man, was so focused in on and so single-minded that he didn't care where he was as long as the gospel was being preached. Had a single mind. But you gotta get this submissive mind in order to have joy in serving because serving always involves people. I need y'all to repeat that with me and I want y'all to say it real slowly so it can sink down in our spirit. Say serving, serving. Always, always involves, involves people. people. So some of y'all say, I just don't like people. Well, listen, you got to learn to love people. I'm not saying you're going to agree with all the people who you're in face with. But it comes a point in time. If you are growing in your faith, you're going to have to love on people. And some of the people that you're going to love on from an outward appearance may seem to be unlovable, but God has assigned you to love them. Can I put it this way? God has assigned you to love the hell out of them. Can I put it that way and not offend someone? He's assigned you to love the hell out of them. And how many of you know love can chase out hell? I said, love can chase out. How many of you will will, will admit, honestly, that's been a point in time in your life since you've been saved where where you had some 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 hellish ways. I mean, some some ways that were just not really God honoring and 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 you were kind of into that thing. And you you kind of let that thing be your little stumbling block and 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 you kept hanging on to it, thinking that that this is the way you do. You just do you. I'm going to do me. God never called upon us just to do us. He called upon us to be like his son, to be transformed into the express image of his dear son. The longer that I'm saved, the more I should look like Christ. So he gives us this example. Let me, let me share something with you. I was, uh, and I, I like to read a lot of different materials, especially as it relates to leadership, uh, business leadership and just financial stuff. And I was, I happened to be listening to, um, to uh, uh, business radio on, on Sirius XM is channel one thirty two, uh, and where how many of y'all have heard of the Warden School of Business? Y'all have heard it? it's a famous business school at P- Penn, University of Pennsylvania, uh, Ivy League school. And so they have this program that comes on um, Sirius XM one thirty two, and uh, the show that they were broadcasting this thing they call is called Leadership in Action. And on this program, they 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 were interviewing. They interviewed various CEOs of companies and business leaders um, uh, to get their perspective on various issues related to business. And so, well, on Friday, this past Friday, as I was working out, lifting a few weights. <laughs> 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 Pumping the iron. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm listening uh, as, as they're interviewing um uh, uh, the CEO uh, uh, of, of ConAgra Foods, ConAgra Brands, and a CEO named Sean Connolly. And he was talking about the culture of the company and how it's ran and how it's changed over the years and talking about their business philosophy. But something that really piqued my interest was uh, he began to talk about how they utilized business analytics to help them anticipate customer buying patterns, business analytics, he mentioned that 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 market research uh, done by companies used to be based on surveys. How many of y'all when you ever go to get, eat? Uh, they they entice you to do a survey. And th- let me ask you a question: Do y'all any of y'all ever fill those out? Few y'all do. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. How many? Uh, uh, let, let me. Okay, let me back up. How many of y'all fill them out when you had a bad experience? Yeah. See, that's when. See, most people feel out like when they had a bad experience. But, but what they discovered when doing surveys, and, and, and they would do these surveys, you know, you have somebody call you and ask you about your, your, your dining experience or whatever. But what they discovered is that, that uh, surveys were wildly, uh, uh, wildly unreliable as it relates to trying to figure out what customers' buying patterns and what their habits were. On the other hand, when using business analytics when they data crunching and data numbers. Have y'all ever wondered why all these grocery stores giving you these little discount card the key swipes your card? When I go to Brooks, it asks me, have you swiped your card? Yeah. How many of y'all got a little Kroger card to put on your little keychain or wherever you go? And what's happening is, guys, every time you purchase something that goes into a database so that the company can know what your buying habits are. Business analytics happening all the time. Have you ever wondered how it is that when you're searching online and searching Google to try to find something, all of a sudden you start getting these pop-up ads, advertising something that you've been searching for? You say, "How do they know I was looking for that?" It's business analytics. They are mining the data to understand what your buying habits and what your tendencies are. But 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 here's here's what I want. here's Here's what I really. Here's what really blew my mind as I was listening to this. This, this particular CEO said, says, he says, he says he said, how, he said, they have discovered that surveys are wildly inaccurate. He says, on the other hand, when using business analytics, the, uh, the analysis is not on what people say, but what they do. Yes, Let me say it again. He says, the, 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 when you're using business analytics, and, and pro football uses this. How many of y'all have watched the game? And they, they'll do uh, 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 analytics and show that, there was a, that there's a probability that guy made that miraculous catch uh, at the corner of the end zone with one hand on two fingertips and pull it in. And the probability of catching that ball was maybe 1.5% using analytics. And so what they discovered is, in using analytics, hear, hear, this, hear this, don't miss this, the analysis is not on what people say but what they do. This is what really blew my mind. For instance, he, this guy said, he says, for instance, health and wellness. Now, ConAgra had different iconic brands that are out there that are part of their brand name, mama. They got Healthy Choice. Y'all have heard of that. They got all kinds of different brands. You were easily recognizable food brands that are up under ConAgra. So he said, for instance, as it relates to health and wellness, he says, when you do surveys, people will make certain claims and you will get the impression, as it relates to health and wellness now, you'll get the impression <laughs> You'll get the impression, hear me, you'll get the impression that people are willing to make massive sacrifices in the food that they eat. When you survey them, oh yeah, I'm gonna go on this diet. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just eat nothing. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna ever eat Southern Clacket for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. They make these wild claims. Come on now. And they give you the impression that they're gonna make these sacrifices in the food that they eat, in the things that they like, in, in, in the taste, in the convenience in order to get real, incredible results as it relates to their health and wellness. People will say, people, when you hear people talk, come on now, it sounds like they're ready to go get it. But what analytics show is that people are only willing to sacrifice so much to try and get the desired results that they want. Oh yes, they'll say this, but when, they, when you analyze the data, they're doing something different. As your pastor, this this is how I brought this. See, listen, I get sermon ideas while I'm working out, amen? As your pastor, I've been analyzing the members of Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana. And I've discovered that some members of EBC are just like those customers of ConAgra, saying one thing, talking like you're all serious about wanting to get closer to Jesus Christ, but your actions are showing something different. If you hear you talk, You love Jesus. If you hear the average Christian talk, they love God's word. But when you start doing the analytics, when you start analyzing their daily life, when you check out when the last time you spent some time with Jesus in prayer and the word, you discover that what they're saying ain't lining up with what they're doing. That just blew me away. And they start doing analytics because it gives them a greater idea of what kind of foods. People are going to be going out and what to order and how to try to change, amen, even as it relates to those healthy food choices, getting certain tastes and that type of thing to put it in place, amen. Because, listen, uh, what your actions, amen, showing something different a lot of times in what you're saying. I, 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 I you know, I remember some, some of y'all probably remember that, that quartet song about, uh, I, I don't know who even, who even sang, it says, I don't told you once, I don't told you twice, it's time to get close to Jesus Christ. And then there's one, one, one part that says, I want to get closer, closer than Siamese twin. That's what the leader says. <laughs> I want to get closer. But you know what? People are saying that, but their actions are showing something radically different. And so at EPC, guys, listen, as your pastor, I'm looking at the analytics. I'm looking at what you're doing, not what you're saying. And so, if we're going to get closer to Christ, we got to start, Amen, doing something different. Can I get two witnesses up here? If you're not doing anything different, you're not going to get closer to Christ just by saying, "I want to get closer." And when we when we learn how to start doing this and getting closer to Christ, then we can experience joy in serving. Now, Jesus Christ illustrates. We're going to look at him. He's the greatest example of what it means to have joy in serving. Which y'all agree? Paul is good. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Timothy is good. Yeah. Good. Good dude. Amen. Young, shy, pastor, did a lot of things. Epaphroditus was, 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 was an honorable man. But I want to follow Jesus example. I used to hear people say, you know, uh, when I when I get when I get to heaven, you know, I want to I, I want to I want to see my mother there. Uh, When I get to heaven, I want to see my father, you know, and and, and we're going to walk around heaven all day. But somebody said, I I, I thank God for mama and thank God for daddy. Thank God for grandma. When I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus face to face. I want to be in the his midst. I mean, I want to I want to follow his example. So let's follow the example that Jesus illustrates. He gives us four characteristics of the person. Who has a submissive mind? Because in order to have joy in serving, you gotta have a submissive mind. I told you the first chapter, in order to have joy, amen, in suffering, you got to have what kind of mind? Y'all forgot it? Single mind. Singly focused. A one track mind if you're gonna have joy in suffering. Because it's too easy when we're going through something, when we're being persecuted for our faith. Now the Bible says something in one passage it says don't be guilty of, of suffering because you did some messed up jacked up stuff. Some people are suffering because they did some bad wrong stuff. When you suffer because of your stand for Christ, then that's when God can get the glory out of your life and get the glory out of your suffering. So 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 the character of submission matter. And look at that because I want all of us in here when I when I examine the analytics and one of the things you're going to discover, we're going to look at something here, uh, uh, something that, that part of our new database that we'll get the opportunity to do is to have a pathway. It's a software that gives you a pathway to get to where you're trying to get to. Say, for instance, if you, if you are, let's just, we just throw out if you want, if, if you feel the call to ministry or whatever. So we're, we're going to develop a pathway where you get from, 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 from experiencing the call to actually get to the point to where you can serve and, and, and really be, flow, flow in ministry the right way. Too many times, I think, in in years past, we've accepted a person saying that I've been called, but there have been no pathway to get more proficient in your calling. And we want to have a defined pathway. If a person is going to be in, in, in ministry leadership, that should be a defined pathway to get you from here to over here. Rather than just putting you out there and you are unprepared and you're not you, you you don't have any leadership principles and training, so as a result you kind of get along. But but I want this church, amen. And I, I know God wants us to operate at peak performance. God wants us to be a shining light, Sherry. He wants us to be a light that's sitting on the hill and cannot be here. He wants us to be a a big beckoning call for how to do ministry the right way. And I'm, this is not any knock on any other church, but I believe God has called EBC not to just. Do it OK. In the words, whoever came with the AT&T commercial, they ought to they ought to just meant that he need to make a million dollars a year. Just OK is not OK in the church. Everybody say, it with me, say just, okay just OK is not OK, it's not okay. In, the in the church. And for too long, many of us sitting here have been doing just OK ministry. Just enough to get by, just enough to say, well, our, our salvation is not questioned. But when you start analyzing the data, come on, what we're saying, what we want is not lining up with what the analysts are saying that we're doing. Can I get a witness? And if we're going to be the church that that during this time of turmoil, guys, listen, what, what more... What, what, Guys, what a more perfect time to have the church stand up and be the church and walk in confidence and assurance than during a time of panic and turmoil. We have an opportunity as a church to show that we are at peace while at the same time using wisdom, but we're not scared. We're here to stand tall and say, whatever comes in this life, we know we have a savior who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all, we can ask or think. But if you're not really getting closer and you're just saying you're getting closer, you won't be prepared. You'll be just as scared as everybody else talking doubt and unbelief. Because I'm I'm here to tell you, I I believe this is my personal belief. This is not a prophetic word, but I believe that God is is just showing the entire world how chaos can reign in two seconds. And I'm here to tell you guys. When Jesus Christ comes back for his church, think about the chaos that's going to happen when all of us who saved disappear at one time. But you want to be ready. Catering of the submissive mind so we can have joy in serving because serving means you, 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 you're dealing with people. Now, Again, I'm going to tell you now, listen, I need you to stop saying I don't want to fool with church people. Because you've been saved to fool with church people, good or bad, mature and immature, spiritually discerning or just as carnal as the day is long. You've been called to deal with. Do, 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 y'all, do y'all not realize as your pastor, I deal with a, a multiplicity of people at different scales of their spiritual growth. And it would be easy for me to get frustrated with the folks who 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 have been here 15, 20 years and still acting like they ain't heard me preach nothing. I'm like, man, you've been here 20 years, and you and, and since you've been here 20 years, and you're still acting like that. Get yourself up out of it. That's kind of what I want to say, <laughs> but but you know I, you can't do that because sometimes longevity don't equals spiritual maturity. I, lo, I you can be 85 years old and still be a baby Christian. So so as a pastor. I, and, and, and me, as, as your leadership, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. Don't you give up on people because God saved you. And if you're growing, if you know better, God will give you the spiritual discernment to know who you're dealing with and at what level of spiritual maturity they are. And so you can't get I, as a pastor, I can't get frustrated because the analytics show me one thing and you should be talking something else. I want to get closer. No, you don't. You really don't want to get closer. Because any, let, let me put it this way, any man that wants to get close to a woman know how to do it, don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brothers, yeah. yeah, you know how to get close? Okay, At least I think you know, okay? You guys, <laughs> y'all got five children, somebody got close. So the characteristics of the submissive man number one, number one, number one, number one. Everybody say number one. He thinks of others, not himself. Watch this now. He thinks of others and not himself. Go to go to five and six, verse five and six of Philippians chapter two. He thinks of others and not himself. This is the example that Jesus Christ set for us, guys. The text says you must you must have the same attitude that Christ has had. Go to go to the King James version. I like to go to the, the KJV region. This Philippians two and five says let. Everybody say let, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse number six, let's read who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be what equal Equal with God. Let this mind, the mind of Christ means the attitude that Christ exhibited y'all, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Guys, after all, outlook determines outcome. Everybody say outlook, outlook determines outcome. If your outlook is selfish, the actions, your actions, my actions will be divisive and destructive. And they will not, amen, foster an at- attitude in the atmosphere where the church can be one cohesive unit. Amen. He says, he thinks of others and not of himself. Amen. The, the word form means the outward expression of the inward nature. This means that in eternity past, Jesus Christ was God, is God, and always will be God. In fact, Paul stated that he was equal with God. Go back to Proverbs, I mean not Proverbs, Philippians 2 verse, verse 5 and 6 again. One more time, let's read it again right quick. Let this mind, read with me, let this mind what? Be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse six says what? Who, being in the what? Form of God. In other words, the outward expression of the inward nature. He was God in human flesh. One passage says, great is the mystery of godliness and how God was manifested in the flesh. The word manifest means what? To make known. We, we entitle our radio broadcast, The Manifested Word, because what we're trying to do is make the Word of God known. I don't want you to leave here not knowing what God is saying about, amen, this all important subject of learning how to have joy in serving. In order to have joy in serving, that means that I got to have the submissive mind. I got to be willing to when I see God's word, even when I don't feel God's word, even when I I can't understand God's word, but I know what it says, it's been properly exegeted and hermeneutically explained to me what my role is, then I begin to do God's word even when I don't feel God's word. Last time you felt like praying for somebody who despitefully used you. What's the last time you felt like? being nice to somebody who was rude to you. Maria and I were talking, we have having an intense discussion on yesterday, and we had those from time to time. I said, every husband and wife probably had those from time to time. I said, every husband and wife probably had those from time to time. I mean, it wasn't an argument, it was intense, it was was one of those deep discussions that sometimes men don't like to have. Can I get two two witnesses out there? Two Three of the most dreaded words that men some kind can hear from their wife is, can we talk? Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Can we talk? Brother be like, what I do wrong? What did I do wrong? But we're having this discussion. And one thing we're talking about as it relates to how, how, how we treat each other and how uh, she says something. She says, it doesn't matter, um, you know, how I act or what I do. You have to do what you know is right to do. And how many of y'all know? I know she was just as dead right as as we sit up in this building that she was right, righter than right, as biblical as biblical can be. But how many of you know? Sometimes uh, we'll we'll say in our mind, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna do right. But you, you gotta do right too." She said, "No, no, she said, no. no she said, what I do right now ain't gonna do with you." doing what you know is right to do. And she was right. But you know, I, 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 in a way, I tried to argue that thing. I said, but you know what, though? But, but, but you know, you got to do right, too. And I don't know somebody's been there. See, most of the time, what we'll do is we'll try to flip the script. We'll try to change the, the subject, amen. And when you're dealing with the subject that has you in the crosshairs, you want to take the crosshairs off you and put it on her. Can I get two men and say amen? I I do that sometime, Pastor. But she was right. When when, when, when Christ, through the Apostle Paul, told us in the book of Ephesians, Husbands, love your wife in the same similitude, in the same fashion that Christ loved the church and Christ loved the church, Brother Elijah, unconditionally. Do you know what unconditional love is? Unconditional love. is not predicated on how the other person acts, Jackie. It's, 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 it's based on what you know is right to do. And so many times we want to turn the scope and get it off of us. You say, yeah, but, I, yeah, but, yeah, I did, but you did. And sometimes we get so deaf, we'll bring up something that happened 15 years ago. Just we can't think of nothing right then, but, but, but well, 15 years ago, you did that. Do what you know it's right to do. Amen? So, so, so dealing with people, is, 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 he, he thinks of others, not himself. Amen? That was the characteristic of the submissive mind. Now, guys, listen. Certainly, as God, Jesus Christ, did not need anything. He had all the glory and praise of heaven. With the Father and the Spirit, he reigned over the universe But Philippians 2 and 6 states an amazing fact. He did not consider his equality with God as something selfishly to hold on to. He did not consider, amen, amen, his position as something that he had to hold on to. But he relinquished that position to come down to be born in a manger in Bethlehem so that he could provide a pathway for you and I to have a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. Thank God that we had a, a savior who was willing to do that for us. I don't know about you, but I'm, every time I think about what God, what Jesus Christ did, he did not think of himself. He thought of us. So how many times in your course of doing ministry or are you thinking about others rather than yourself? What I want, what can I do? What ministry can I lead? How can I be seen? How can I get my gift to working? He thought of others and not of himself. He gave up the privileges of deity to come down here to be born in the manger of him. So number two. Second characteristic of a submissive mind is he serves. Everybody say he serves. he serves. He serves. He serves. Talk about the analytics of this thing, not what you say. Because people will tell you, oh, yeah, I remember Elizabeth Church, I serve up there. What, what do you, what you do? What you do? Well, I come wave my hand to pass on Sunday. <laughs> See, service, guys, we make the mistake of thinking that service, that there is service here when we're here on Sunday. But our true service and our true work, Brittany, happens outside of here. It's when we're building a relationship with people. It's when, we, when we're, and i I told you before, when we're interjecting ourselves into the community. And one of the things that I'm going to be pushing this year is, 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 is for us to get involved in, 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 in groups or organizations that, that do things that, that, that are in line with our ministry principles. Because you don't have to reinvent the wheel, because what I'm trying to do is to get each one of us connected outside the church. Some of y'all, long people you hang with or uh, interface with, is people who you know at church or your family members. And in order for us to have maximum kingdom impact, we got to learn to interface with people who who we would otherwise not come in contact with. And one of the best ways to do that is to get connected with a with a a ministry or a a a group or a nonprofit that's doing good work in the community. I had the privilege of uh, uh, of sharing at a, a faith and fostering event, uh, uh, Sister uh, Pat. Uh, uh, and and uh, who works for Casa. Uh, and we have had some some people here who Gary and thing, but Robert did some some years ago, volunteered with Casa. And they was talking about some of the, the unique things they're doing to try to help kids who are in, 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 in some in some very rough situation that no fault of their own and how we as a church can connect and help support that ministry. And by doing that, man, you connect with people who you would otherwise not come in contact with. So I want us to, 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 to understand that ministry doesn't just start here when we enter the four walls of this church. Ministry should be done as we do life. Did y'all catch that? Ministry should be a part of our daily goings and comings. Amen? So 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 we see that he serves. Have you noticed as you read the four gospel, that it is Jesus who serves others and not others who serve Jesus. Check out the gospel. Just follow his lifestyle. Even toward the end of his life, when he, when he knelt down and, and gave the, 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 the disciples an example of what servanthood is all about, here he is, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Here he is, the creator of the universe, amen, our soon coming king, and here he girds himself with a towel, stoops down, and washes the disciples' feet. Because a few of those knuckleheads were sitting there arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. I want to sit on the right hand. I want to be on the left hand. I want to be in a prominent position. So Jesus knew that they had to understand that it's not about you being served and having a position. It's about you serving. And so he he, he showed them that example. When he rose up and and girded himself and, and began to wash their nasty feet, he serves. So if you're going to have a man joy in serving, one thing you got to understand, you got to have the characteristics characteristics of of Jesus Christ. He thinks of others, not of himself, and he's willing to serve. How many of y'all are willing to serve? What are your analytics telling you? What are the analytics saying? If we tracked you for a whole year, what would the analytics tell us about you? I know what you would tell us. I love Jesus. I'm willing to do, Pastor, whatever needs to be done around this church. But you won't show up to do anything around this church or in life and in society. We're going to find out what the analytics say as you look at your life. Amen. Am I saying stuff but not really doing anything? Is that my protocol? He serves. Third thing, characteristic of the submissive mind is he sacrifices. Look at Philippians 2 and 8. He sacrifices. I mean, y'all are willing to sacrifice. I know sometimes we do it for our children, right? When was the last time you sacrificed for somebody who was a non-family member? When was the last time you sacrificed for somebody who was not a part of your family? When was the last time you sacrificed as the Holy Spirit prompted you to go and serve and to do this or to do that? When was the last time? It's been that long? Jesus sacrificed. Many people are willing to serve others. Listen. Many people are willing to serve others if it doesn't cost them anything. If it doesn't cost them some time. If it doesn't, if it doesn't cost them money. If it doesn't cost them whatever. Uh, uh, being able to stay with somebody and, and labor with them. People are willing to serve if it doesn't cost them anything. But if there is a price to pay, all of a sudden they lose interest. And you know, we tell people, if you need anything, if I can help you in any way, just call me. And when they call you, you're so shocked. <laughs> and when they call you, I, dog, I ain't mean all that. You know, I, 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 I said that, but I, I ain't really mean that. And that's, 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 that's the problem. Many of us are saying that stuff, and, it's, and, it's, and it sounds good at the time when somebody's in sickness or in bereavement or going through trouble. If you just need me, just call me. And then when they call you, you, you won't even answer the phone. Hello? Can I get three witnesses out there? Can I get one witness who will be honest and blank the eye and say, you know, Pastor, I saw him call and I look at the call ID and I did not answer? Guys, he sacrifices. Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. His was not the death of a martyr, but the death of a savior, guys. He willingly laid down his life for the sins of the world. He sacrificed. The person with the submissive mind does not avoid sacrifice. He lives for the glory of God and for the good of others, guys. And if if, and if paying a price will honor Christ and help others, the person with a submissive mind is willing to do it. And that was Paul's attitude. Look, look just flip forward to verse number 17 with me right quick of the second chapter. Look, look at verse number 17. Watch what it says. It says, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. How many of you are willing to say that if I am offered as a sacrifice, if I have to sacrifice my time, my money, my talent, my resources to help this person in this situation, I'm willing to do it. Now, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. We are talking and in Sunday school, we we have a good time debating in Sunday school and pontificating and saying all what what should be done. But when we look at the analytics, ain't nobody doing the stuff. A submissive person with a submissive mind, he sacrifices. And lastly, lastly, a person with a submissive mind, he glorifies God. Everybody say glorifies God. Look at verse 9 through 11 right quick and we're going to close out here. He glorifies God. That's that's, that's key now because in in Christianity, I've discovered that there are people who who aren't really concerned about glorifying God. They want to be glorified. And if they're not being lifted up, if they're not out front, if they're not being the main person, they just backtrack and they won't do anything. He glorifies God. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. And and, and, and this, is, this is my heart. This ministry ain't about me. If I die tomorrow, and, and, and y'all say, pray, pray, Pastor, we pray you don't. Come on, I need y'all to say that, okay? Now, if, if I did, I'm, I'm prepared. Come on. And I'm prepared, and, I'm, and I will and, and, and leave Maria a little something, something. Her sorrow won't be like others who ain't got no hope. Come on, I don't care what you say. Listen, when, when, when you take care of your business like you're supposed to take care of your business, I've told y'all before, and I'll say it again, all it takes is, you know, at the very minimum, you ought to get a term life insurance policy on you, at least about twenty five thousand dollars so people can bury you and and not have to scramble and, and do a gun, GoFundMe go fund page. Amen. That's 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 that I didn't even read that in the Bible, that's just common sense, that's wisdom. As a matter of fact, we read it in the Bible because we remember in Proverbs, we're talking about the ant. The ant does what he stores up. And so you get you something on yourself and don't talk about well, you know, when I'm gone, it ain't gonna be my problem. <laughs> no, that ain't funny. Your family members scrambling, trying to just, you know, going around the community begging for money. Do that. Get, get, you, get you a term policy. Okay? So I say, I'll say this, that if I die tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm all right with God. And Maria ought to cry some. Y'all, y'all check out for me. Make sure she cries some. But y'all shouldn't have to drag out the church and fan her down. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna make sure she's taken care of. Amen. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Watch this. I don't know how I got up on that, but watch what the text says. I just think it needs to be said. Sometimes in the course of a sermon, God says, "Say that." So I need you to. Say, I need you to hear me. Okay? It says, "Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, who is you talking about? Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name. Watch this. That the name of Jesus. Come on now." Every knee should bow. Get, let, baby, let me tell you something. This, this world, this wicked world we're living in maybe be Jesus Christ now, but there's going to come a day and point in time where nobody will be able to ignore my Savior and my Lord Jesus Christ. Every <laughs> knee shall bow and every tongue. Yes, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, verse number 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So it's not about, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. The person with the submissive mind, he glorifies God. Jesus humbled himself for others and God highly exalted him. And the result of this exhortation is glory to God. God is seeking to get the glory out of every one of our lives. The whole purpose of Christ's humiliation and exhortation is the glory of God. He went to the cross of Calvary, died, amen. A a sinner's death on on the cross of Calvary on Golgotha's hill was put down and buried, amen, in a borrowed tomb. And early, the first day of the week, he rose with all power and heaven and earth in his hand and all that was done so that God would be glorified. Jesus said, I didn't come to do anything but to glorify my father in heaven. I didn't come to do anything except what my father told me to do. And when it comes to ministry, are you willing to do everything that will glorify God and not yourself? So he thinks of others, not himself. He serves. He sacrifices, And he glorifies God. Joy in serving. What will your analytics show when we begin to examine what you do, not what you say? Will it show you having joy in serving? Every head bowed, eye he close. Father, we thank you.